Andor made a scene. It was one of the few Disney Plus Star Wars offerings that actually gained viewers after its first episode. Let's talk about why it's so great. Welcome to the Worldcraft Club, a podcast and community devoted to helping you make rich, immersive worlds that will bring your audience back time and time again. I'm your host, James, and today we have another roundtable discussion, a time where we bring members of our Discord community on to discuss a world-building topic or IP. We are going to spoil the crap out of this thing, so consider yourself forewarned. This episode is just a little longer than normal, so I won't keep you too long winding up. Let's just dive right in with our guests today. I asked each of them to name themselves and then tell me what their first experience with Star Wars was. Hey, my name's AJ. My first experience with Star Wars was watching The Return of the Jedi with one of my best friends. I start with the third one in the original trilogy. I'm Dave. I think my first experience with Star Wars, I'd be interested to know if my siblings recall it the same way, was like seeing like, an ad for something on a cereal box and being like, these are really cool spaceships. And my parents were like, yeah, we have those on a box set of VHSs. So that was my original experience was the theatrical release of the original trilogy. Hey, I'm Marcus. And very similarly, through my parents is where I got first exposed to. They had the VHSs. My mom is a big Star Wars fan. And even though I might have been too young at the time to really recollect, all the like tropes and iconography stuck in there. And I recognize Star Wars for just being Star Wars. Hi, I'm Steph. I grew up mostly in a Star Trek house, so don't tell anyone. My first like real memory of Star Wars was actually riding the ride at Disney, I think. We definitely I definitely had seen Star Wars before then, but that's the first real memory I have of riding in the the ride. I think most of us, when we think of that, we're thinking of the new Star Wars experience sort of thing in Disney World, but you are no, not I was talking like about 12, that. 12, so it would have been before they even added, like, that was before the prequels, because the prequels came out when I was in my teens. Pre-prequel, um, you say. Pre-prequel, yeah. So that's that's my first, like, real Star Wars memory, that the ride. The that's original excellent. Star Tours. That Star Tours, yes. The format of this discussion follows three basic questions. What helped you get immersed in the setting? Where was the world building good? The second is the opposite. When did you get pulled out of the setting? And a third question about how the IP is changing overall. What's happening to Star Wars? Where is it going? So AJ, what helped foster immersion and wonder in the setting? Where was the world building good and you felt like you were in the world? Yeah, so I have uh, three things written down here. Uh, Clothing, first and foremost, for me. I really, really enjoyed the the pushback towards more of the the older style, like 70s-esque clothing that they they had going on there. And I feel like that, that really helped me feel it, as well as the, like, that this kind of rolls into the stark contrast between the two factions. So, like, all the pristine costumes for every imperial imperials had mad drip during this one like i was envious the attitude disparity too between that one was like on task and and doing their thing and trying to get the upper hand in the imperials and the rebels or or the people of ferrix or even 
from the flashbacks with Kanari, you can see that kind of disparity, the the relishing in freedom and mm. kind of doing your own thing and, and the, the Merc lifestyle of the, the rebels. Honestly, for me, the tech as well. I know we talked about this a little bit. Some of what they, they pulled in for Ferrix and, and for some of the, uh, the quote, third world planets or, or whatnot, yeah. Um, yeah. where it was definitely, you could see it was lower tech stuff than in, again, those pristine areas of the, the empire. They had the, in a large part, I'd have to just agree with AJ on the costuming was, yeah. was really well done. One thing that like just caught my eye and kept like my attention, even though it was kind of a smaller detail, I guess, I mean, it was featured a lot, so I guess, but it was, it was never like a, a prominent part of the story was just Mon Mothba's speeder that she took around the city. I felt like it was a really good blend. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not a big prequel fan, but it's there. And so you kind of have to deal with it. And so I actually, like, I really did think they did a great job of making the aesthetic look like we were in a transition period. Because, like, the prequels are yeah. in, like, space 1950s. And the uh, originals are in, like, space 1970s and 80s. So we got like this kind of sweet muscle car inspired speeder and it really worked for me. I really liked that speeder. I know that's like a dumb detail, but that's the kind of thing sometimes that just like will grab you. So You're I, in the I world craft was... club, dumb details are our bread and butter. Yeah. Amen. Well, and like, you, you know, through the show, you got, you got the, you got to see the inside of the Senate again, and you also yeah. got to see and obviously i'm assuming people that are listening to this are okay with spoilers but at the very end you get to see the death star so like there is they did a really good job of of the chronology like i i i did really enjoy that aspect of it yeah the tying together the way you're seeing sort of that space 1950s to space 1970s move yeah i like that a lot that's cool so, uh, Marcus, what helped foster immersion and wonder for you in the setting? Oh, man. I was just enjoying the ride when I was watching episode to episode. But the one thing that kept, like, me kind of zoning out and just, well, not really zoning out, but kind of, like, focusing and just, like, taking a moment, uh, the slow pacing allowed me to take in the scenery. And it was all the beautiful sets mm. that made me fall in love with this show all on its own. Like, where you start out with Andor, where he lives with, like, Bix and all the other workers, and just everything is just red brick. And everything is dirt roads. And even in the red brick houses, there's no uniform, no uniformity in any of the house's designs. But everything is so practical, everything is so real, and the camera gets, like, so zoomed in are so close to the characters that you can kind of like, okay, this is where they would cook. This There's the stove and everything, and then there's where they would recline. And in stark contrast, as uh, AJ mentioned, the Empire was all sterilized white steel and clean geometric uh, patterns and everything. The That war room that they, uh, that we see, um, I'm sorry, I'm Gotta like yeah, remember like everybody's names. Uh, Deidre Miro, the Empire. Yeah, yeah you know, was the like Empire trying to CIA, hold her own. essentially. Yeah, 
Yeah, just kind of the dome, everything. It was said that that dome kind of represented the Empire logo, the, that entire room. And even like the geometric shapes on the walls was like for like sound dampening, but it also helped you just kind of see how large that room was. And even like, even in the same planet of Coruscant, we visit three different places in Coruscant that are completely different from each other. Coruscant, we usually see it in the movies from a bird's eye view. Okay, all the speeding cars going around, big CGI shot and everything. Big vistas, yeah. Yeah, Cyril Karn, the like, the soldier that gets kind of denounced and he has to get kicked back home with his mother. As he's going to his mother on yeah. Coruscant, you know, tr- walking down, you get to see below all the hustle and bustle into this kind of quiet place underneath kind of like the facade of Coruscant. And things get more lonely yeah. as he goes down until his like apartment where he lives with his mother. Again, I I may not print, be pronouncing this, but it was when you see like the thing of his the shot where he is in his room and you see outside of his window. It's very inspired by Nagajin capsule tower in Japan. Sadly, just recently demolished. But that tower in Japan was made for just like, okay, at cost, efficiency, building on top of each other, room after room. You are not special. You are another cog that we put this module into to make room for. And outside of his his uh, window yeah and after this window out the window you just see more of that and then you go to mothma's if i said her name correctly yeah mon mothos and she's in the high rise she's a senator and now you get like all these wonderful kind of like mix of asian and art deco geometric and like bonsai trees and shutters in her place that is like deceptively detailed as it's been said yeah because it gives an open space but there's just so much to look at and then you yeah it's very go busy. with lucen's kind of front in his museum you know where it's concrete but it's like brutalist style concrete because like some tasteful museums. concrete <laughs> yeah but the thing is and i bring up each space also encapsulates the character that it belongs to because it is this front you know this museum but this guy is a commander you know he's undercover so this concrete is almost akin to the brick you know that we have that where the rebellion the origins of the rebellion that we finally get to you know as the show finally comes full circle and i just brutalist architecture for a guy that's willing to spend blood which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Sorry, the sets I, really I brought me in. The sets really brought me in. I can watch it all over again and just drool over everything. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I also love the overshot of the speeder leaving on the different squares and different colors. And in oh, yeah. I, I, I remember that really that kind of grabbed me. I thought that was interesting. But, um, all right, Steph, same question. What helped foster immersion and wonder in the setting for you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree with the clothes and the sets. I think it's just how unapologetic the world building was. They dropped you in a place with no explanation and just kind of moved on. There's right? A like too. Cyril in his mother's apartment was just so fascinating, right? The booth in the middle with the table was just completely unique and, and interesting. 
Ferrix. It kind of felt a little bit like Tatooine, but it was clearly not, right? Because it was too dark was and dingy and drab and red. They had the bells all around and they had yeah. the, the the anvil tones that just it was that was just part of their culture. They didn't like talk about it, they didn't address it, they just did it and moved on. A job. You could tell. Oh yeah. No, it's a cool job. <laughs> He'd boot a stormtrooper off his building. That was the best part. <laughs> that was like, my, maybe work. my favorite moment. He's like, I'm hitting a mallet. <laughs> Get off. Yeah. Get off the tower. Sorry, carry on, Steph. No, it's fine. Um, wasn't even part of the rebellion. When they flash back to Andor's childhood, there's only children there. They never address it. They never explain it. The water prison is its own um, like thing for me that I was just completely blown away by it because it makes so much sense how they were able to just keep people in line it makes so much sense that they had to have built pieces for the death star somewhere prison labor people going to jail for six years because suddenly the brutalist regime is starting to crack down Mm. um but there were still aliens on that planet right they they break out they meet some locals and and the locals look completely foreign Star Wars is famous for its single buyout world, but like every place you visit feels different. And yeah. I think that Andor did that really well. Yeah, I love that. These are these are great observations. I, I really love it. It's getting me excited to like actually watch it again. Uh, and I, I think you touch on this stuff, but the cultures were surprisingly distinctive. We even got a bit of Mon Mothma's culture. Why do we drink this drink? It's disgusting. Oh, well, that's why we drink it kind of thing. Like in the, uh, and the way that they allude to their sort of religious culture, historic religious culture, and the way the youth are turning back to this sort of, I want to say like kind of conservative, traditional sort of, there, there's been a youth response that's going like back in that direction. He's just kind of like, oh, that's interesting. And um, funnily enough, like the, the the gambling addict dad's like, yeah, I'm cool with it. And she's like, I don't know about this. And it's just like there, there were just like weird interactions like that. And I think, Steph, your point is very well taken, was a was confident. Like we, we talked a lot about confidence and world building with edge runners and how it just tossed you into the middle and just was like, here you go. I feel like there was a lot of that with Andor, especially the culture on Ferrix was actually very distinctive. And there were a couple of moments where they highlight this culture is different. You get made into a brick. I thought that was the coolest freaking thing in yeah, the world. Yeah. On death. I, you are, you I was are. like, that is so neat. It is such a great way to remember someone, right? Like you, you, you literally become part of the city. And the road of mourning and the, and the music and all of that. And you can see where the tension builds because Ferrix was essentially, they're setting it up as the, as the instigation point, the red square, Tiananmen square, like you know, or something mm-hmm. like that of of Star Wars, where they're saying like this is where the rebellion started in an unlikely place with unlikely and largely unwilling people who just got pushed too far. Some key elements to draw out this far in the conversation: Star Wars has a long history and has changed its aesthetics over that time. Much of the commentary initially was on costumes, which bridged the prequels and the 1980s era original trilogy. Though it could be argued that the styles date those movies with the science fiction sensibilities of their era, here they're embraced and add to the sense of place. You can't really get this from properties that lack the long history Star Wars has. What's more, we established that Andor was confident in its expression of place. We discussed this a little bit during the Edge Runners roundtable from earlier. 
They trusted their audience to read between the lines of the setting as it developed. I think this is key in your own world building. Let your audience breathe a bit and explore the place. The Anvil Clock Tower is a great example of this. It's never fully explained, but long shots of it are included and you can infer some of its purpose. Finally, locations in this played an explanative role and served as accessories to the plot. Sometimes to serve in demonstrating the contrasting ideals of roughshod rebels and pristine imperials. Other times to specifically comment on a character's role, purpose, or personality with Luthen's brutal concrete exterior. It perfectly captures his role as a high society antiquities dealer while highlighting the brutal, blood-spending rebel commander beneath. Our next question was the inverse of the first. What elements of the world building in the show drew you out of the setting or story? What really pulled me out of it was the lack of alien life forms. In Specifically in the prison, I understand yeah, well, you can have that idea of like having humans spread across the galaxy. And so like they're the most prevalent, like they do that in, in fantasy all the time. That's fine. But I don't remember seeing almost a single one in that prison. Like they're all humans and it's weird. And that's not cool because they, they still have them in other places. They do have a scene where they are sorting people into prisons so okay. it's possible Maybe, yeah. that they're sorted by lifespan or capability or something like that. But it is a really good point that it was just mm. human somehow. And you don't accidentally on, like, get like a electricity proof species on your electricity base. Yeah. That's like, a good oh, point. That's a like good point. The, the floors just, are calibrated you know, like, to humans, right? Like the, uh, the, the, uh, the shock level that would have to be calibrated. That's the thing. These are things that show up in like novels and comic books 10 years later. And then all the fans are like, no, it's perfect sense. It's all right here. It's it, it, this, this is a hundred percent true. This is how this stuff gets developed. And, and it's, it's the fact in some ways, like this is the excitement of doing world building stuff, right? Is that you sort of like, if you, if you, if you're predisposed to like the top, the thing you kind of go, well, they probably sorted them. The, so you know what I mean? Like you don't just yeah. go, this yeah. is bull crap. This show sucked. They didn't even put any effort into it. You're just kind of like, nah, there's, it's probably, probably there. Yeah. I there's think like we can I do this. Like, we can make it Steph, work. I think how you, how you said Steph, that this was the world bidding is very unapologetic and mm. you just have, the audience just has to think, figure stuff out and stuff is made to be conversed with afterward. Yeah. And yeah. it's fun to chew the fat. Yeah, and that's yep. I think that's what they were going for. So it's it's like, why is there all these humans? It, it's kind of like the scene from if of like iRobot with Will Smith. It's like, why are the prison all full of humans? That is the correct question. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> and then they disappear, and you're just left to discuss. I <laughs> Marcus spinning it down. You have to say something negative about Andor now. That's the question. <laughs> you have to do it, Marcus. You have to do it. All right, let's let's do this, Marcus. You poked your head above the parapet. Say something mean about Andor. <laughs> Say something mean about Andor. Okay. Well, it doesn't, so, doesn't have to. It is, yeah, just well, he's got what what funny nose. Okay. So the thing was, what took me out of this like Star Wars experience? Yeah, the pacing was very different than what we're used mm. to in any other Star Wars media. The tone was different. It was much more darker, much more 
boots on the ground kind of deal. Very visceral. Yeah. And even the, like, when I think about it, when I think about, like, a Star Wars, like, feel and setting, I'm thinking of the Star Wars tr- transitions, like the big wipe, and it's like, and then you're in another setting, you know? The, that's Cue like a every other in thing. the corner eating a fly. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that was absent from this, which Where's kind the pulp? of made Where's me forget. The pulp? Yeah, it made me forget it was a Star Wars media, like a Star Wars story. The thing is, though, I loved it. I loved yeah. experiencing you like Star Wars in a brand new light. And it, it was just so refreshing. It was so refreshing. Like <laughs> honestly, I'm I I am I if I haven't said this before, I loved half of Rogue One. And that is the first half. And the first half feels like the entirety of Andor. The second half of Rogue One w- turned into Star Wars. And then you had big old space battles and all these characters that I wanted to know more about were then just frantically fighting in a battlefield and then dying, <laughs> you know, unceremoniously and I'm like, died. Yeah. And I'm like, but you're like, ah. so anyways, the, so yeah. it doesn't feel like Star Wars critique, I think is fair. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I guess if you're signing up specifically for a Star Wars thing, then or it's, it's then one it's of totally your favorite fine. IDs and you like it how it is. Which is a great <laughs> way to segue into Dave. Star Wars is a series of movies and live action television shows. Everything else is optional. And most of what I dislike. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of great Star Wars content. Well, honestly, part of the reason I don't like the extended universe or I'm not a huge fan of it. It depends book to book. But a lot of it leans into harder sci-fi, which is not what I'm coming to Star Wars for. I, I like the swashbuckling. I like the space-based swashbuckling. But to address what issues actually, more than just my critiques on tone and stuff, like what world-building aspects I felt drew, drew me out of the, the, the show, a lot of it was just some odd like set design and prop choices. Like when they first meet the, the group that's going to pull the heist on the Scotland planet. Aldani. Island. It was a lot of sheep. Fought like Sky. Ireland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the rebels there had AK 47s. And it was weird. Like yeah, they I were, they that. were literally, they were, they were spray painted with like a gloss black. And so they were a little Star Warsified, but they were AKs. And it was weird. No, they weren't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned it the minute I saw them. Like, I wonder if those are slug throwers because I didn't want to say just guns. So additionally, Karn goes back home after being fired and he's living with his mom again and she pours him a bowl of crunch berries. Like, that was so weird to me. My two minutes of, of what world building I didn't like, and th- this is going to be stupid and pithy, but... I don't like it when they kill off characters that I like. That's always frustrating to me. The entire yeah. crew from Aldani just just dies one at a time. Ping, oh, ping, ping. Was the, the, guy, the guy at the end who was just like, let's steal the money and run away. And Andrew's like, nah, ding. And, and he was gone. Love right? Like, it, but, me too. But, I love how he just makes snap decisions and kills people. 
Well, I, I was like, that is very Wars. That was very Star Wars. His just absolutely like with the very except first with episode, Han Solo. I was about when, to when say Han huh, Solo much. Yeah, it's not Star Wars. Let's make a deal, you and I. Okay, blam. Actually, that's exactly Star Wars. No, 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 no. It was a different tone, and it didn't have Harrison Ford. And that was to establish that was to establish Harrison Ford as a character who was a rogue and was doing under the table dealings and like. But with this one, there was a coldness and a rapid calculus to it because, as well, his plan was not to. He was like, what he decided in that moment was not so much yes, let's run off with the money or I should have it all for myself. It was, you're going to be a problem no matter how this shakes out. And mm-hmm. he was like, I'm just going to dispatch it. And that's honestly, his ruthlessness is what makes him the best agent and why he becomes such a good field operative because he makes decisions and he commits and he gets stuff done. Steph, yeah. I'm sorry, carry on. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, But but yeah, yeah. Uh, Like in the, in the first episode, Cassian just, kills a guy for self-defense and then kills the other guy because to cover it up right like yeah to, to yeah. cover it up it was and, the only one and was getting back like it it tells you a lot about who the character is because i i did not expect that that yeah. was kind of shocking at at first i'm like he's not he's our... gonna blame oh well, I expected it I, I felt like that was the direction the tone was going well well that was also exactly how we are introduced to andor in rogue one mm-hmm his opening move is to shoot somebody that it was convenient to shoot at the time. Like it, it was to, to get him from point A to point B. He knew it was a loose end. He had to tie it up. He didn't think super hard about it. Shot the dude, moved on. What's drawing us into or out of the show really hinges on the Star Warsiness of it. I think everyone acknowledges that it's a good show. It's well-made, the visuals play well into the themes of the stories, characters have arcs and develop well, but opinions are divided somewhat about whether this was a true Star Wars show. Did the characters dress the way I liked or was appropriate to the theme? Did we get the cheesy scene wipes we're used to? And whether that even matters. This IP can't really escape its storied legacy. That's what led me to ask my next question. As the IP of Star Wars ages and matures, and it perhaps digresses from its path, how is it changing and adapting? Yeah, I definitely feel like these in particular, Mandalorian to some extent, and then Andor 100%, have just kind of pulled down and and to to look at the, the human experience more, which... I find interesting. I've never really, I, I guess, as as a youth, as the youths, I used to to watch Star Wars for the fantasy of it. As I've gotten older and more cynical, I kind of feel like I need that that look at life the way it is, and knowing, getting to see like the the machinations behind the rebellion, getting to see how. The Empire, yes, is tyrannical, but it's really tyrannical because of its CEO, its top emperor. It's it's really those those decisions are coming from up high and trickling down and hurting everybody at the lowest end. Where 
a lot of the people in the middle are just trying to have order and 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 not chaos throughout this entire galaxy. And it's mm. really interesting to see those those dynamics of like oh those shades of gray like oh the rebels do some pretty terrible things to get rid of this tyrant at the top and oh these imperials are just they're just trying to live and like create some order out of the insanity of life. Mm. So I, I found that to be kind of an interesting way to go about it as well as them delving in i have a feeling that if they continue doing movies it won't continue going that route they will continue with the the high fantasy and i think that their their ip for the tv shows will continue to digress more into this human nature idea as opposed to the movies kind of keeping the the light and fancy jedi and mystical powers so you think there's a bit of a media split I do. And and that's that's got some history to it as well, with again like the extended universes focus on more of a sci-fi element to it and allowing the movies to do that. And then you've got Kotor and things like that that kept the sort of very high fantasy style. So that's Knights of the Old Republic, the uh, one of BioWare's gifts to the world. And it's just a, just an exceptional game, but that was very much kind of had a bit of both. You know, it was a very high fantasy exciting thing, but they also had like court drama and stuff randomly yeah. in there and some there pretty bleak some interesting stuff. gray areas. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating. But it's interesting to see that as a split down media as well. That's a good observation, AJ. Yeah. Steph, go for it. Yeah, I feel like they are kind of disconnecting genre from setting for a lot of this, right? Like, I I wholly agree with Dave that it and or doesn't feel like Star Wars because it doesn't fit the, the core genre that you would consider Star Wars. But I feel like the the Disney is taking Star Wars as an IP and expanding it beyond the Skywalker family saga, right? There's fascism at the top and rebels at the bottom. And what is everyone in the middle doing, right? It's not just there's an emperor and a few people are the power that can overthrow him. It's there's underlings that are enforcing his rules that are making people's lives miserable. There's people in the middle that are just trying to get by. And they're exploring all of the areas that this touches, which gives you the noir. It gives you the heist flick. It gives you the spy thriller, right? It gives you different genres within the Star Wars world. So so I, I feel like they're just kind of pushing the limits, you know, seeing where they can take it, um, poking to see what hits and what misses, right? Because... I don't, I don't think they know what's going to be successful or not all the time, right? Mandalorian did well. Boba Fett didn't. Obi-Wan didn't. Andor's done well. I think they're just, you know, kind of feeling out the limits. I think, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I can't really disagree with anything that anyone else has said. It's just, it's mostly just a matter of, I don't like the direction. Uh, yeah. And I, I think one thing I would say is like, I think it's more than that. I guess, I guess my my biggest pushback to like what Steph said would be it's more than just changing the jo- the genre and this is kind of all interconnected, but it's changing the tone, which we discussed earlier. Star Wars is a, an optimistic and even though there are tragedies and, and terrible things that happen in it, it's an optimistic and victorious story. That's mm-hmm. what I'm accustomed to. And, you know, going back to when I was first introduced to Star Wars, it was something that my whole family would sit around and watch Star Wars. There were five of us. We have 
very different tastes. My parents are not sci-fi fans, and they will tell you that straight up. But some of their favorite movies include Star Wars and Back to the Future. And now this, I guess, is more fantasy, but Indiana Jones. They love characters and people. And the Star Wars movies that I love, the content I love, is about lovable characters. And so Andor was unlikable people doing terrible things. And I did not care for it. I mean, I shouldn't even say I didn't care for it. It's not my speed. I don't like the crime drama, Breaking Bad, Sopranos type stuff. I don't want to tune in to see what horrible things are happening this week. I want to tune in to see characters I love. So it's not my bag and is my one of my top IPs. So that's where I got kind of like, I mean, I don't think I got out over my skis, but I, I'm defensive of it as a, as kind of my thing, something that's from my childhood and my family would not sit around and watch Andor. Like that's kind of like fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big part of like what it, what it is and why it got such a reaction from me as it did in terms of quality of a show and being well-written and well-thought out. I think Andor was, was top notch, but I would much rather watch the Mandalorian, which is a new property digs into a different side of, of the star Wars universe. It's a bit different genre wise. It's a little more spaghetti Western. But it's about family. It's about the individuals. And it's lovable ne'er-do-wells and, and space wizards. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, I love the solo movie as well. And that one did not that one did not go over well. But I thought it was great. It was a great I heist. don't know why it was fantastic. Oh, it was so much fun. Yeah. And, and it was honestly, all right. Wow. Wild Glover as a young Lando Calrissian. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, perfection, excellent cast. Yeah. Like he was, he nailed it. Yeah. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I think that's that is very well encapsulated, Dave. Like that kind of like covers it. I get it. Like it, I, similar for me with uh, Lord of the Rings, right? Like I could get all of Suzanne's family to Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? Like I get my whole family to turn up at the movie theater for Lord of the Rings where, where there are very few other things. I like a lot of these guys do not love fantasy. They're not going to come to me and start talking about the wizards of earth sea or anything, but like they'll watch that, you know, because it was fun and it was, it was, there was depth and there was meaning and like d- different sort of thing from like star Wars, but having that memory of, of watching the sort of swashbuckling. And like, I honestly, even as I think about, it, I think my introduction to the series was prequels. And I have such fond memories of being really excited to see Anakin like jump into battle with his lightsaber and feeling like that thrill of just like, oh, it's coming, it's coming. And like, you know, the, the kind of highs and lows of that sort of sort of schlocky, pulpy adventure joy that I get from it. But it was so guys much versus fun bad guys. to watch. Yeah. It was so much fun to watch them like chop battle droids to pieces. Like it was no a delight. You can just if it's a robot, you can dismember it. That is like yeah, the number one that was the thing rule. about like like finally. Finally. Yeah, I had to turn that feature on whenever I played Jedi Academy. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, fans of the Worldcraft Club are gonna remember James and I talking about in a previous episode named Does Your World Have Potential? About this. We talked about Star Wars being a story world, and we were unpacking the idea of a story world and in a nutshell, a story world basically 
is a world that you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, I can tell so many stories with just this. You know, it is not tied down to a specific character. It's not tied down to a specific faction or way of, or, or a specific medium even. You know, it's just space, you know, empire, space wizards, laser swords, rebellion, and X-Wings. Great, great. So many stories can come out of just that. And as more hands go on deck and more studios finally get their crack at telling a different story, the more branching Star Wars is going to be. You know, it's going to go from, you're going to have your high fantasy and then it's going to branch off into Spaghetti Western and then it's going to branch off into a war drama, you know, and in the war stuff. Even in the Obi-Wan show, when he is going to rescue Princess Leia, Hmm. the whole setting just looked like cyberpunk. And even you got some of that kind of cyberpunks in Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett too which were underutilized, but that's a whole other tangent I don't want to get into. I hear what what, what is being said, and I agree agree with AJ that the mainline Star Wars are always going to be like high fantasy, optimistic, victory, hoorah, lightsaber wins the day kind of deal. Um, But I also understand, and I can appreciate... Dave, you, this just wasn't your cup of tea. And it's just acknowledging, yeah, yeah it's branched mm-hmm. off. And I acknowledge as well, it, the tone and theme, uh, not the tone and genre, the way, and even the cinematography has branched off from its source material. But I think, I think we can always count on the mainline movies always being a certain way. I remember showrunners talking about their supporting cast their secondary character you have your main character and then you have this supporting character that happens to be some people's fan favorite and the showrunners will talk about yeah we liked writing for this character because we were able to do some risks and experiment with some stories and some messages that we would never dare do with the main character and I think that's what's mm. happening to Star Wars right now. The movies are the main character. You're always going to come back. You're always going to know what you're going to expect. And now these little shows are going to be their experimental projects that they're able to kind of push it. And you're not going to like the supporting character. We are taking this world of Star Wars in a galaxy far, far away that there are so many stories to tell. And if you want to tell a very boots-on-the-ground human spark of the rebellion kind of this this pot that's just steaming and steaming and boiling over until it just we've had it it's going to be grim all the way until that breaking point at the end and that kind of story may not be best told in a very high fantasy positive light it is meant to be dark that doesn't have to be your cup of tea. That's fine. What I find interesting about Star Wars is that, in the end, it's really a family affair. Most of us didn't find or discover Star Wars on our own. Our parents showed us. We watched it with our families. 
This means that our memories of this IP are tied up in those memories and deep nostalgia. It might explain the sort of near-religious fanaticism that some folks feel towards it. It's hallowed ground in some ways, part of the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. You'll see in Star Wars that there are deep generational divides depending on where people arrived in the IP, and that IP is always changing. I think that there's a lot of validity to the media divide that was noted by AJ and Steph, and this idea of the disconnect between genre and setting is fascinating. And again, it can only occur in an IP that has grown venerable enough to sustain those shifts in tone. As Marcus had said, I think in Andor, we're seeing more human stories with deeper and richer shades of gray because different folks can try their hand and experiment with plots they might not have otherwise tried. And a lot of us enjoy this pivot. The stories feel richer and more complex, the characters compelling and nuanced. But I think resistance to these changes also makes sense to me, and I can't help but have some sympathy for it. For those of us who remember lining up to see The Phantom Menace with our families or sitting on the couch with our families in a moment of relaxed enjoyment with all conflicts forgotten for a moment to enjoy something together, it doesn't seem unreasonable to mourn for the loss of that. Star Wars is changing and adapting is a case study in the growth of legacy IPs and a reminder that you really just can't satisfy everyone, especially with a fan base that has grown this broad and deep. Key takeaways for this roundtable, I think, include the following. Convey your setting with confidence. This is an echoing response you should already have on your Worldcraft Club bingo cards by now. Some elements of a given setting just don't require as much explanation as you, the creator, might think. Ferex might be the best example of this. They simply let the culture of that planet be. No pauses for exposition about why we have this guy smacking an anvil on the top of a tower, nor the specific, almost Tai Chi-like movements he engages in before he gets started. Just a unique place with a distinctive culture. Trust your audience and throw them into your setting. Let your setting communicate your story's themes. From the brutal concrete exterior of Luthen's antiquity store, the Imperial Counterinsurgency Headquarters, Mon Mothma's apartment, they all said something about the characters that inhabit them and the stories that were being told about them. Consider this when writing your stories. If you develop a world as rich and engrossing as Star Wars, many sins can be forgiven. The discussion of the lack of aliens on the prison planet is explainable, but I doubt the showrunners necessarily thought about it as hard as we did. As a group, we were willing not just to forgive the apparent oversight, but to create alongside them and make a richer setting. This is something we do well to recognize when we're crafting our own stuff. A lot of these sorts of sins can be forgiven in a world that is already rich and engrossing. You don't need to have everything figured out. So that about wraps us up. I should let you know that we won't be around for a minute after this one. Seth and I are cooking up something, and it's going to eat up a lot of my time, so we're putting the podcast on a two-month hiatus, after which we'll start up again with the bi-weekly updates, or at least roughly bi-weekly updates. If you want to join in on conversations like this one, we have them all the time on our Discord server, connected in the link tree in the show notes. The community there is always crafting and creating new stuff, debating ideas, and growing as creators. 
we'd love for you to join us. Oh, and if you love the show, please give us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting app. And feedback is always welcome via email or on any of our social media outlets. For AJ, Dave, Marcus, and Steph, I'm James, and this has been the Worldcraft Club Podcast. Catch you next time. Mandalorians use them to kill Jedi. That's, that's like their origin in universe. I love the way that it's like, here's how we'll defeat them. Guns. <laughs> Instead of using these weirdly slow firing plasma bolts that can apparently be deflected by, you know, the magic laser swords, we're just oh, going to use like guns. <laughs>